Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Revelation 6. People often underestimate the hardness of the human heart. And this comes across when people say things, uh, when unbelievers specifically say things like, well, if I saw God do a miracle, then I would believe. And if someone says that to me, I'll, I'll probably respond with something like, don't count on it. Because we saw Jesus Christ himself, the, the Son of God, in this world, doing things like raising Lazarus from the dead, and people still did not believe in Jesus. Or some people, uh, you know, say, well, I'll, I'll get right with God when I'm older. Uh, again, don't count on it. If you keep giving in to sin, your heart is going to become harder and harder. And one thing we're going to see in our reading today is probably right up there with the people during the time of Christ who saw what he was doing yet did not repent. You're going to see something right up there with that today. And that's one of the things we'll linger on in our passage today is the hardness of the human heart. So we get now into Revelation 6. Yesterday we saw the lamb takes the scroll which seems to have something to do with authority over the earth or the future of God's plan. And now he's going to start opening the seals. And when each seal is opened, something happens. And so we look at these things and we have to ask, well, how are these things fulfilled? Have these things already been fulfilled or will they be fulfilled? I think the correct understanding of Revelation 6 would be that these things are yet to be fulfilled. One reason for that would be just look at the cataclysmic nature of these events. I don't think we've seen anything like this yet. And so we come to these and the first four seals kind of go together. You think of what you hear that the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you've heard that before. No, it's not talking about the backfield of some football team. It's talking about what's going on here in Revelation 6, because there's these four horses and their riders that come. And the first one comes bringing peace, but it seems that this peace is, is not all that it would seem to be because then the second one uh, really brings war. The third one brings what clearly is some level of famine. And then the fourth one brings death so much so that it says, and they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. So when you combine these four seals together, you have a quarter of the earth dead through the war, through the famine uh, that, that happens in this time. And then we get to the fifth seal. Now, the fifth seal, you are introduced to, it says, the souls of those who have been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. So we're talking about the souls of martyrs. And these martyrs are asking a question that Christians uh, 
we'll ask from time to time. We see people of God saying this all throughout even the Bible, going back to, I think specifically of Psalm 13. And the question is, how long? How long? And you may be in some trial in your life where you feel like you're asking God how long, but your trial probably doesn't measure up quite to what they are going through because these are people who have been martyred and they are crying out for justice. They were killed for their faith and they're saying, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And even though our reasons to cry out how long may not quite measure up to theirs, I think we find some instruction where even look how they start this prayer. O sovereign Lord, holy and true. This doesn't come across as a whiny, how long, Lord? This is unfair, Lord. Why are you doing this to me, Lord? No, there's a humility, a submission. Oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true. How long before you will judge and avenge our blood? There's a sense that God is in control. And that's one thing that should help us, even just as we look at the book of Revelation, we look about these chaotic things happening, I believe, in the future. Another thing to notice, even from those first four seals, is what is initiating all these things? The action of the Lamb. So even though this may seem chaotic, talking about war and famine killing a quarter of the earth, even though it may be crazy to think about the souls of the martyrs, all of this is coming under the sovereign hand of God. And that's where I think we can make an argument from this text, from the greater to the lesser. If God is in control and sovereign over these massive world events, and if God is uh, sovereign over the the suffering done by the martyrs, don't you think he's sovereign enough over whatever it is that you're asking him how long about right now? I think there's a lot that we can learn from the example here of of this fifth seal. And we, we see God basically tells them, you're going to wait. They were told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. So God has a plan. And even when we cry out how long, we have to trust God knows what he's doing and God will fulfill his plan. So I think there's a lot that we can worship God for, take away and apply, even when you're asking God how long, I'd encourage you, make sure you're you're doing it with a heart of submission and a respect for the sovereignty of God instead of just a self-focus. But then we get to the sixth seal. And there's two things I want to highlight about this sixth seal. And the first is that I think people underestimate the wrath of God. I mean, just let, let's listen to some of this together. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, There was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, and the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. I mean, this is describing cataclysmic 
activity, probably the likes of which have never been seen before. And again, you see uh, the word like in there. Uh, you get a sense kind of like when he was describing the throne that he was seeing, he's trying to describe the destruction that he is seeing. And we often don't think of the wrath of God in this way. So many want to downplay the aspects of God's wrath uh, to just say, well, well, God is God is love. He's not going to judge anybody because he he is love. Well, I hope you see between what we read in chapter five and this, those things are not mutually exclusive. Yes, God is love. We worship the lamb because he was slain. Jesus Christ gave his life. He died on the cross for our sins. There is no greater expression of love than that. But that does not mean that this lamb is not also the lion and that he will judge sinners. I mean, we we just saw the martyrs crying out for justice and vengeance. Jesus Christ is going to bring that justice. Uh, So much so that the whole world here, these massive effects of the destruction that come through what we'll see is the wrath of the lamb. So, People underestimate the wrath of God, but now we come back to where we started. People underestimate the hardness of the human heart. Because look at what happens next. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand. So instead of in this moment saying, wow, look at the wrath of the lamb. God, forgive us. We we repent. We are so, so sorry. It's no fall on us. Hide us from him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Even in the face of all this, there is no repentance that we see in this chapter. And so I want to speak to some of you who may be listening to this and maybe you're unsure because what strikes me about this passage is they know enough to know this is the wrath of the lamb, but we don't see any repentance. They're just seeking to hide from the wrath. And here's the thing, you can't hide from the wrath of God. You can't, except for really in one place. Think of the words of the old hymn, rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. There's only one place to be safe from the wrath of God. And that is if you are in Jesus Christ. So if you are listening and you are unsure, or if you know that you are not in Christ, You need to repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ right now. Don't put it off. Because even if you think, well, I want to do this first, or I'll do it when I'm older. Maybe I'll get a little more confident about it. Don't count on it. You don't know what your heart is going to do. And frankly, you're probably underestimating how hard the human heart can be. So instead of facing the wrath of the Lamb, turn to the Lamb, confess your sins, trust in the Lamb of God that was slain for you. Find the only safe place from the wrath of God in Jesus Christ. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. 
To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.